Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is episode 133 of the podcast for December 16th, 2011. Today, we're going to be doing a Q&A, following up a webinar that I did for Gimba Academy about my upcoming book, Healthcare Kaizen, that'll be out in 2012. If you want to watch the webinar, it's archived. You can watch it for free until January 7th, 2012 by going to leanblog.org slash Kaizen webinar, or you'll be able to at the least view the slides if it's past that date. So I hope you find the Q&A interesting. And as always, um, thank you for listening. For all podcasts, you can go to leanpodcast.org. Joining me here on the podcast is Ron Pereira. You probably know him from his blog, lssacademy.com, and from Gemba Academy. Ron, thanks for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Mark. So it's funny, uh, listeners might not, probably don't realize it, um, we both live in the same town, Keller, Texas, and even though we don't live too far from each other, here we are connected via Skype um, (laughs) to do the (laughs) podcast and um, to do the follow-up from the webinar. So I'm going to put things uh, in your control now, Ron, and uh, let you lead through um, the follow-up Q&A from uh, the webinar. So thanks again for doing that, and um, I guess I'll hand it off to you. Okay. All right. Yeah, this is fun. Uh, turning the tables on you a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, well, first of all, wanted to thank everybody that called in uh, to the webinar. We had uh, just a huge result and just tons of great feedback, Mark, um, and I forwarded most of that to you. So, um, hopefully we can do that again, but uh, we yeah. so many questions uh, as uh, as you know we couldn't uh, we couldn't field them all uh, during the actual webinar. So what we're going to do here is I'll just fire a few of them at you and uh, let you uh, let you respond. Okay. So the first one um, comes from Sandeep, and uh, his question was related to during the webinar you mentioned or you mentioned you, you you talked about Toyota's success with their idea submission program. And you mentioned a statistic of 90%, and uh, Sandeep's question was basically, what does that 90% really mean? What was that, the, the, the actual number? Yeah, and you know, part of that measures, you know, moving from just idea submission, you know, this is kind of the, the old suggestion box idea of, you know, p- people putting ideas into a black hole. The, the key, the difference with Kaizen is that we really want to have um, the bias be towards implementing ideas as often as we can. Uh, different sources and different books and articles about Toyota mention a number. It's either it's sometimes 90%, sometimes it's listed as 95%, um, that they implement 90 or 95% of the ideas that come from employees. And my understanding of that, it's not that, let's say, 90% of the ideas were implementable or perfect um, as submitted. But again, it speaks to that process of the supervisor and employee working together to find something that they can implement. And um, so I think that 90% means, you know, 10% of the time maybe they're stumped or that they can't come up with something practical um, that can be implemented to address the problem that's been identified uh, by that employee. Okay, cool. All right. So, Kim, uh, Kim and Kathy actually had uh, similar questions, and I'm going to kind of summarize mm-hmm. them. But they were both uh, around the, the idea that you talked about with the Kaizen Wall of Fame or these idea boards. And um, 
both Kim and Kathy were kind of interested in who who manages these boards and um, and and how do you how do you go about updating them? Who does that? Right. So you know, if we look at let's say the idea board and just the mechanics of how board how cards march along through that board, you know, a lot of times it's facilitated through a short daily team huddle that would be held. Um, as part of a daily lean management process. So, you know, part of that five to 10 minute stand up meeting might be a quick review of, you know, does anybody have a card, an idea that they've made progress on? Do we need to update either the card or move the card on the board? And use that as a way to help communicate um, with the team that's there at the huddle. Um, you know, sometimes cards are moved, you know, throughout the day. Um, you know, I don't think any organization I've seen has a rule that, you know, only managers can touch the board. Um, a lot of times, you know, the ownership of the ideas is often in the hands of the staff member um, who had the idea when you're working with some of their colleagues. They may update the card and, and move it forward and then use that next team huddle as a way of, again, you know, providing an update to the team. And, you know, depending on the complexity of the idea, um, you know, there's certainly ongoing communication that might happen on an ad hoc basis throughout the day of, um, you know, an employee or a couple of people getting their supervisor or the manager or even the director, you know, depending on the, the type of, of problem. And, you know, they'll, they'll have some discussion and maybe update that board during the day. Um, the, the Kaizen Wall of Fame sheets that I showed, you know, the one example, um, one organization I've worked with quite a lot on this is Children's Medical Center Dallas and their laboratory. And you know, they have a PowerPoint template that's available on a shared drive. You know, they have a few supervisors that are kind of the key coordinators of this. And, you know, if they have an idea that's come off of that board, um, that's ready to, to summarize and be documented, you know, they'll encourage the staff member to fill out the template themselves. They'll even, you know, spend a few minutes to teach them how to use their digital camera to take a photo and insert it. And if, you know, somebody doesn't have the time or they, they just don't have the interest, sometimes the supervisor um, we'll write it up after kind of getting a verbal rundown or even a handwritten version um, from the staff member. So a lot of it, you know, we, is is pushed to the frontline staff. We don't want you know the managers and supervisors to be the only ones that are um, doing that sort of documentation. Okay, good. Um, next one comes from uh, Doug, and, and he asks that cards and bulletin boards are great, but are there ways to share these best practices across an entire organization? Yeah, that, that, I mean, that's a, a question I've been getting quite often um, when, when I've talked about Kaizen. Um, you know, it, to use a real simple case at Children's Dallas, they have that PowerPoint template. They create a physical board, that wall of fame, as they call it. Um, but then the PowerPoints are you know, somewhat organized in a shared drive where people um, can look and search and you know, different operating systems are, are getting better at even being able to search for words inside a document like that. Um, and then you've got you know, different types of, you know, web-based databases or web-based software packages um, out there. Um, my co-author, Joe Schwartz at Franciscan St. Francis, they've actually um, built a homegrown system with their internal IS department for documented completing, uh, documenting completed Kaizens. Um, so there's a, a little, a simple web interface somebody can punch in their idea, their before and after. Um, then they have that in a searchable format where, you know, one example Joe uses is if somebody at one of their three local hospitals has a question or wants to do something involving shelves, they can type shelf into that database and they can see Kaizen's that 
you know, people have done in different departments across those different sites. And there's other organizations, and, and we do talk about this in the Healthcare Kaizen book, have created homegrown systems that they've used. Um, the, the startup Kinexus that I'm working with um, as, as a chief improvement officer um, was actually born of a homegrown system at Vanderbilt University Medical Center um, that our co-founder um, commercialized and, and we're now um, have on the market as um, you know, an alternative to, to building your own system. So, yeah, I think there's my final thought on this. You know, there's pros and cons. Um, you know, there, there's simplicity to cards and bulletin boards. Um, there's certainly some limitations, as, as the question pointed out. Um, so I think, you know, depending on the situation, there's, um, you know, uh, different approaches different organizations are taking. So from a consulting side of things, Mark, I mean, would you would you uh, recommend to somebody getting started with Kaizen to start with software, or would you have them start with, you know, with the board, start at the Gemba on a piece of paper, or would you have them kind of go straight for the software? Yeah, I mean, I think you see both happening. And, you know, we're, from just from a Kinexa standpoint, from a, a technology company, you know, we have um, some users who had already been working with Kaizen. We have some that are getting started in an electronic format. You know, and our co-founders situation at Vanderbilt, you know, they were doing so many things electronically with electronic medical records and all sorts of other systems that, you know, within their environment, it just seemed natural. Um, they're already working on the computer uh, enough, as Greg said. Yeah. But it just made sense to go that way. And some organizations may be more comfortable, you know, starting with a manual method, especially if they're testing out Kaizen and some of these practices and, and maybe just one department to start. Sure, sure. Okay, very good. All right. So next question come, uh, comes from Robert, and he said he asked, if, is there any specific training that might help lean thinkers from manufacturing transition to a healthcare position? Yeah, so, I mean, that's definitely a growing trend of people with engineering backgrounds or other, you know, production and manufacturing and supply chain Backgrounds, um, trying to get into healthcare. There's so much need, and and uh, in healthcare, there's so much opportunity for improvement. There's there's a lot of hiring going on in healthcare. Um, that, that was one of the secondary audiences for my first book, Lean Hospitals. I mean, it was primarily written for healthcare people who didn't yet know Lean, but I think there's been a lot of readers who already knew Lean, but just wanted you know healthcare examples and a way of starting to kind of understand what's going on in healthcare. So um, my, you know, my book uh, might be one good introduction. And I've also set up uh, a free networking website that's had a lot of discussion over the past two, three years um, about moving into healthcare. The, the web address for that is uh, movetohealthcare.ning.com. And I'll put a link to that on um, the blog post for this episode. If they go to leanpodcast.org and, and click on the link for this episode, um, they can get to that maybe more easily that way. Very good. Very good. Okay. Uh, Sonia asked, how do you get Kaizen started in a workplace where the manager slash coworkers do not like to let go of control over how and what, over how and what mm -hmm. is done? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that, that's a really common question and, and kind of common dynamic. Um, you know, so maybe that's a good problem statement. You know, why why don't managers um, like what, what they why do they perceive it as losing control? I mean, I think a lot of times this idea, you know, unfortunately, of empowering 
engaging your employees in improvement is somehow a win-lose situation for the managers. Um, uh, you know, I think senior leaders can do a lot to set the tone for this in terms of what they're saying, how they're um, responding in an organization. I think in a good Kaizen culture, you know, when a manager's employees are driving improvement, that does nothing but reflect well on the manager, you know, in, in the right sort of climate. Now, if you had, you know, there would be challenges if, if let's say, it a, a vice president was, if you're beating up on the manager for, well, you know, why aren't you driving the change yourself? And I mean, somebody who's maybe trying to do Kaizen locally could butt up against, you know, um, dysfunctions in the organization. But, you know, I think in, in the right environment, senior leaders are not just talking about um, empowerment and engagement, but they're leading by example, you know, at all levels and kind of reinforcing, um, you know, the right side of behaviors. And you know, I think one other thing we often talk to supervisors about is that, you know, having their employees participate more doesn't mean that they participate less. You know, it's not um, just hands-off empowerment saying, oh, you're empowered, you're on your own, I'm going to be in my office doing email. Um, you know, the Kaizen is, is a very collaborative process. Um, you know, supervisors are still involved, arguably more involved because they're they're working together with people. Um, but, you know, I think that that's, that's certainly an important cultural thing to keep in mind, um, you know, how much of that is going to be a problem, that perceived, you know, sense of loss from, you know, frontline supervisors and managers. That's, um, yeah, I don't know if there's an easy answer to that, but it's certainly something to be really aware of. Sure, sure. Okay, I'm going to butcher this next name, I think, but I believe it's Jania asked, um, you've mentioned a lot of different organizations throughout the webinar, and, um, and this, uh, Jania wanted to know if these organizations have a lean office um, and, and if, they, if so, how are they involved? Yeah, so yeah, I th there's a mixed bag there. Um, you know, I think of Children's Medical Center Dallas, um, for example. I mean, they, they, we, we were working with Kaizen locally within their laboratory, you know, a couple hundred people across different parts of the lab. And, you know, there really wasn't any central lean function at all to speak of. Um, you know, they were running things very locally and autonomously. And, they, you know, they had the support of, you know, the VP of ancillary services on this, but it wasn't really something that was part of the whole organization's culture yet. So there, were, there was no central lean activity. Um, you know, my co-author's organization at Franciscan, um, they do have what they call a Kaizen promotion office that has built, um, you know, and sort of taken on a bigger role as they've expanded Kaizen, you know, throughout most of the departments of, of these three hospitals around Indianapolis. Um, yes. Yeah, Kind of funny to think about it. In a lot of organizations, uh, a Kaizen promotion office is the group that runs, you know, so-called Kaizen events, week-long events. Um, at Franciscan, they really don't do a lot of that. Um, it's probably a more accurately named department because the central office, their role is to help educate and, and promote Kaizen, you know, to train managers. Um, they, 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 they help with, you know, recognition at, the hospital and, and system level in terms of helping share ideas through, you know, emails that the COO sends out and they're, they're, they have an annual award ceremony that they do for, for Kaizen. The central office helps, you know, compile, you know, some statistics and numbers, um, but, you know, they don't do Kaizen for the departments, I think is one thing um, they're, they're pretty careful about. So, you know, they have, I think it's, it's two people part-time, um, it's, it's my co-author and one other person. So I think you call it 
slightly over one FTE altogether um, to help manage that for a couple organizations. So it's not a big, huge central team because they really um, do focus on the managers and local leaders really owning and driving Kaizen you know, within each of their um, departments and sites. Okay, very good. All right, our next question, Mark, is from Bill. And Bill wanted to know if you had any ideas for addressing lots of little problems when they have their roots in a big problem. For example, long patient waits for transfer to floor handoff times, which is a small problem due to departments operating in their own silos, which is a big problem. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a great question. I mean, you know, a lot of what we would call quick and easy Kaizen or daily Kaizen, you know, the focus is on little problems, little things that can be implemented locally. Um, you know, things that bubble up from staff members just based on their own work. Um, now, if, you know, if we think back, and I showed during the webinar, there's a diagram um, talking about three levels of Kaizen, three different um, levels of, of complexity and scope of problems. You know, so the, the little staff-driven, you know, small Kaizen, that's, that's just part of the picture. So, you know, we want to make sure that we're also driving um, more systemic change, um, at, at a value stream level or an organizational level. Um, you know, I don't think there's you know, a single organization you know, that we highlight in the book that's you know, only doing the small daily Kaizen. You know, they're combining it with larger, more systemic change. Because I think two things, we want to be careful that we're not you know, just making local improvements that sub-optimize anything. That's part of the role of leaders in a Kaizen approach is to make sure people aren't sub-optimizing or harming other departments uh, inadvertently. Um, and then the second piece of you know, leadership's obligation to make sure they are addressing the culture or some of these other more systemic root causes um, so that we're not, um, as I called it, um, you know, we're, we want to make sure we're not 5Sing the, the, the deck chairs on the Titanic and doing you know, little small surfacey changes that um, aren't going to save the organization from completely sinking. So yeah, I think you know, as with a lot of things, there needs to be balance. Um, we, we can't have just big, huge programmatic change. Um, we can't have just the small, um, you know, staff-driven Kaizen. We really need to figure out how to make that all fit together. Very good. Okay, next two questions come from Matt, and I'll just I'll go with the first one, and, and then I'll. And I'll ask the second one after you answer it. Mm -hmm. So the first question is: Do I understand it that you presented idea that the presented idea cards are used by the staff? Then at implementation, they are rewritten on quick and easy Kaizen cards. Yeah. So in the webinar, I talked about kind of two related methods: the idea card, which is often used for managing the entire. Kaizen cycle from identifying a problem and looking at alternatives and, and taking things through um, full implementation and, and reflection in the PDSA cycle. And then there's the, the wall of fame summaries, which you know, are very similar in format um, to you know, Norm Bodek's quick and easy Kaizen reports. Um, that, that's what they primarily use at my co-author's organization. And they, they, they can be tied together to where, let's say if you've taken an idea card through the entire board process. You then might write up um, a wall of fame summary, and they do this you know, at Children's Dallas. Um, they, they write up the before and after and, and the summary, and you know, some people it might seem like extra work, but um, you know, realize that you know, they're using handwritten cards. 
um, using the Wall of Fame template allows them to you know incorporate pictures and and and, and before and after pictures. But I, I think there's two important aspects to to taking that extra time to writing up that summary. You know, first off is a chance to reflect upon the improvement that you did. You know, kind of reflect on the process, both you know the change and, and the communication and the teamwork and everything. And then the, the second aspect is to use that as a way of giving recognition. You know, when people see their names up on that wall of fame, it, it does mean something. Um, so that's one aspect. But then, you know, there are times where if a change is just, you know, so small and so immediate, um, you know, some changes don't even go through that formal board. It might just get written up um, in that wall of fame format um, as, again, a way of reflecting and, and giving recognition and even just, you know, communicating um, that change so that others can ad adopt that method and learn from it, maybe, maybe even go take it back, you know, to their own separate part of the lab where, um, you know, children's, they have different idea boards for the core laboratory and for microbiology and for pathology. Um, you know, they'll, they'll use that, that mechanism as a way of sharing ideas across those different sub-departments. Okay, very good. All right, Matt, Matt's second question is, he said, uh, question came up from the managers about whether or not to put a team board in an area that can be viewed by patients. And do you have any suggestions about this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a judgment call depending on the organization. You know, there's some organizations I've worked with, um, you know, think of one primary care group in Illinois I worked with. They, they put their idea boards in a public hallway. Now, you know, it was kind of in the back corner of the clinic. It's not like it was in the waiting room or a real high traffic area. You know, but I think they realized that, you know, there was nothing on those cards that was really, you know, highly embarrassing to the organization or to the staff. Um, you know, there certainly wasn't anything on those cards that would be a HIPAA violation, you know, because it's all very process-based. Um, you know, and I think, you know, some organizations actually enjoy the opportunity to help demonstrate and engage even with their patients. Look, you know, we're working on improvement activities, and, you know, the board is a good way of... Um, helping illustrate that. Um, I've, I've seen, you know, in other hospital settings, um, you know, in clinics, having the board out where people can see it. You know, but then, you know, I've worked with some other organizations where they felt more comfortable uh, putting the board in a break room or in a team conference room. Um, you know, I think they felt like they would get better participation if, if the staff didn't feel like those ideas were on, the, on display for the whole world to see. So I think it depends on the culture of the organization. You know, there's some organizations now that are really um, excited about um, increasing transparency with their patients and their community. And the board is one way of fostering that. And then there's, you know, some people who don't want to do that. And, you know, I think that's okay if that's what it takes as well. And but maybe you have a, a combination of both, right? So, you know, some super sensitive things you might keep behind closed doors. But as you said, um, as people try to increase transparency, they might be able to, uh, to make those open to the uh, general public. Yeah, and I think there's the possibility as well. You know, a lot of times these cards are initiated by staff members. You know, here's a problem that interferes with me providing patient care or, you know, just interferes with my job somehow. You know, you could also involve um, patients in that process. And yeah, if, yeah. You know, if, if, if the patient makes the, you know, the complaint directly, yeah. um, you could use the card as a way of showing them that, you know, we're following up, whether that patient participates um, you know, in the Kaizen process, like sure. some hospitals would do, or whether you're just kind of showing them, look, we followed up on your idea. Sure, sure. Okay. Um, okay, next question is from uh, Eli. And 
wants to know, said, I would like to ask you about rewards. Do you think that offering rewards is a good way to get employees involved in the program? If yes, what kind of rewards? Could you say from your experience, what is the best way to get the employees on board? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a really good question. Um, I, mean, I think ideally, Kaizen is built upon people's intrinsic motivation, you know, that, that people want to improve their process. And if we engage them and, and listen to them, that they they will participate. Um, it's, it's kind of a gut reflex anymore for people to say, well, you know, if, if we want more ideas, we have to provide incentives or rewards. Um, it, it, it's become almost just, you know, second nature to say, if we want more of something, we have to reward it. Um, you know, if we look back at, you know, traditional suggestion box systems, the reward was usually based on the idea that um, the organization would pay the employee um, a percentage of what that idea, what that suggestion was worth. And so there were a couple of dysfunctions that came from that. One is that, you know, it really encouraged people to swing for the fences, you know, to submit big, huge, high impact ideas. And, it, you know, the, you might not be able to come up with too many of those. So on, on the flip side, Kaizen emphasizes, you know, lots of little ideas. And there may be some big ones mixed in, but you really want to get the ball rolling, especially with lots of little tiny ideas. So then when you know, you're paying a percentage of the idea, um, that sounds good in, in theory, but in practice, what happens is um, you get a lot of arguments. And, and I saw this back in the auto industry when it was that very classic suggestion system, you know, management had an incentive to downplay the value of the idea so they could pay less. The employee always felt like they were getting gypped because, you know, they were, um, the, the idea wasn't valued and therefore their payout wasn't as big as they thought it would be, you know, or uh, employees start fighting with each other about, you know, well, that was my, his idea and uh, my idea and he stole it. And, you know, with Kaizen, we want um, teamwork and, and cooperation. You know, those idea boards, you know, we'll always give recognition to everybody who was involved, not just who initiated it, because that's that's often hard to figure out even, you know, whose idea was it originally. So I think what we, we see working well in Kaizen systems, um, you know, looking at rewards and recognition, a lot of the emphasis is on recognition. So again, I mean, it's things like um, bulletin boards, newsletters, thank yous from managers and, and senior leaders. Um, I mean, that, that recognition really can go um, a long way. Um, my co-author's organization does have a process where they pay out points for implemented ideas, and you can redeem those points for, you know, for prizes and cafeteria gift cards. But really, I mean, it just comes down to uh, a couple of bucks per idea. It's more of a token payment. It's, it's a different form of recognition and, um, you know, that works well for them. So I think one of the, the key lessons learned is that if you're going to pay um, for ideas, keep it small. Don't let money become the primary motivation. And then, you know, there's other organizations I've worked with that don't pay for ideas. Again, they're, they're falling back on that intrinsic approach that if, if you come up with ideas that make your own work easier um, or benefit the patient, that, that people will want just naturally to participate and find you know, um, um, their own reward for that in, in their own head. And, and some organizations will maybe in a less direct way tie people's Kaizen participation um, as a factor into their annual review process. And now, you know, the, the Dr. Deming purist in me says, well, uh, we should get, you know, we should get, a, we should do away with the annual review process because that creates different dysfunctions. But, you know, reality being what it is, you know, those, those programs exist. And I, and I think, you know, um, you know, indirect rewards for people's participation in Kaizen or, or team-based rewards 
um, in some way or another, probably less dysfunctional than, you know, paying people, um, you know, some fixed percentage of whatever their idea is worth. Those, those are some of the things that organizations are, are doing out there. Um, you know, not, not everyone's following the same roadmap. Again, sometimes it depends on culture, but um, that, that's a little bit of what's happening out there. Very good. All right, Mark. Well, we've gone through all of the questions. Um, now, there was a few other ones that were answered live on the webinar. So, um, again, if people haven't seen that yet, um, we do have the, uh, the webinar up uh, on our Gimba Academy site. So, Mark, I guess you can link to that again. Um, and that's going to be public until sometime in January. Right, right. And then, it is, right. then it's available as part of uh, just the, the, the typical Gimba Academy completely package. Um, and so, yeah, you can, uh, but it's, it's totally free right now, uh, for about, I guess about 20 more days or so. Mm -hmm. So, uh, invite everybody to check that out. Yeah. And then, then since you were so kind in, in terms of hosting the webinar and participating here, um, for listeners who don't know about, um, Gemba Academy, Ron, I mean, why don't you give people the introduction and, and the website and, you know, if people sure. want to give it a trial, how do they get started? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, well it's GembaAcademy.com, so G-E-M-B-A, the word academy.com. And so we've actually, um, Gemba Academy is, is uh, run by three organizations. So myself, uh, the Kaizen Institute, which many may know from Mr. Masaki Amai, it's his, his company. And then uh, many, many, many of your listeners know Kevin Meyer from uh, Evolving Excellence mm -hmm. and, uh, and Super Factory, or Lean CEO, I guess it's called now. Yeah. Um, so the three of us uh, came together in uh, early 2009 when we started Gemba Academy. Is we had uh, 12 videos at the time, and now we have over uh, 211, and we're reaching companies all over the world now. So it's basically it's online and DVD-based uh, lean-focused training, and uh, you can definitely sign up for a free trial to, to check it out. And um, don't want this to be a sales pitch, so but uh, <laughs> just right. encourage people to uh, to go to GemvaAcademy.com and and wow. sign up for a free account and check it out. <laughs> well, if it seemed like a sales pitch, it was my fault because I yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, to do that. But no, they they are really um, there's there's good videos and, and good content out there, so um, yeah. I encourage people to check it out. So um, I, again, I want to thank Ron Pereira for. Uh, playing the role of guest host and participating, um, my my friend and neighbor, and you know, maybe we can do a, a podcast some other time, Ron. Uh, find the topic, um, get you doing most of the talking uh, instead of me. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, that sounds good. All right, we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.